Hello and welcome to episode two of Climate Talks with Callie. I am really excited for today's episode as it is a part of a two-part series on factory farming and what we can do to make a more sustainable and healthy farming system in America. So I've been doing a lot of research on factory farming recently, and the more I research, the more I kind of realize these hidden um, issues that surround our farming system currently in America, and um, especially the environmental effects that I haven't really seen talked about much, and so I kind of wanted to put a spotlight um, on them and also put a spotlight on what we can do to improve the system um, for our future. Um... So this uh, first part is kind of going to be um, on the negatives of factory farming, um, including environmental effects, but also um, other factors that make it just not the best system ever. Um, And then in the next episode, part two, I'm going to be going over um, what we can, other uh, systems that I've researched that um, can successfully replace factory farming. and I'm going to give you solutions that you can do as well as there's going to be a interview with a climate um, educator. Um, so you definitely should stick around for that. Um, but let's jump right into it today. Um, so when I say climate change, what do you think of? Maybe global warming pops in your head. I know I immediately see a picture of a polar bear on melting ice or maybe it's wildfires or storms. But do you see farms? Probably not. Um, but believe it or not, industrial farms create an unimaginable amount of waste and pollution that really needs to be addressed. Um, so just to start off, animals are very costly to produce. They need to be taken care of and fed for years in advance before, um, they can be sold as a product. And they also produce a lot of waste that needs to be disposed of. A whopping um, fact that I found that I thought I'd share with you guys was that it takes approximately 1,847 gallons of water to produce one pound of meat or beef. That's about 43 bathtubs full of water for only about four hamburgers. Let that sink in. I couldn't believe it. But when, when you factor in, you know, the water that the animal needs to drink the water that need that is needed to grow their feed, the water that that's just needed to manufacture the meat in general. It's like, yeah, it kind of makes sense, but it shouldn't be that way. Um, another staggering fact I found was that when you combine land use for animal feed and animal grazing land itself, a whopping 41% of U.S. land, nearly 800 million acres, is used to feed fa- farm animals alone. So I thought, Oh my gosh, like that's, that is almost half of America that's used solely to feed farm animals or just animals in general. So I thought that was a little crazy. So I thought I'd start off with that. Um, But to um, define factory farms, um, factory farms are an intensive form of agriculture with the goal of maximizing profits and minimizing costs by keeping livestock in confined and indoor spaces. Um, Also, factory farms are also known as CAFOs, which stand for Concentrated Animal Feeding Operations. And so I might be referring to factory farms as CAFOs throughout this um, series too. 
And so although there are lots, there are CAFOs in many countries, I'm just going to be focused on the effects of CAFOs in the United States for this episode. And so usually um, when I hear factory farms or CAFOs, they're usually brought up in the conversation of animal rights um, and cruelty. Um, But I've noticed that the environmental effects um, of these farms are often overlooked. So we're going to be focusing on that today. So um, the first environmental impact that I'm going to be talking about is waste. This is a pretty, um, this is something that you'll hear over and over again uh, because of these, um, because of these farms, but they really do produce a staggering amount of waste that is honestly really hard to manage. Um, And it can be a really dangerous health threat too. So um, something that I, a fact that I found that was crazy was that one factory farm creates the same amount of waste in one year that Philadelphia creates in the same amount of time. It's hard to believe, I know. Um, uh, Usually in factory farms or CAFOs, large amounts of waste are produced, um, but a lot of them, a lot of that waste is improperly disposed of and then can leak into our groundwater supply. Um, And in this waste, over 150 pathogens live in livestock manure, um, is associated with um, risks to humans. And so, you know, you don't necessarily want to be living right next to these farms as um, sometimes what they do to take care of the waste is they just have these holding ponds where they just dispose the waste of and it kind of, you know, just sits there and it can become a real threat to um, surrounding communities, the workers, and even the ecosystems that surround. Um, And it can be really hard to take care of um, if it's not done right. Uh, Secondly, another environmental impact um, because of CAFOs is air pollution. So believe it or not, there is a lot of air pollution that comes as a result of the crowded animals. Um, In an excerpt from a report by Carrie Hrebar, animal feeding operations produce several types of air air emissions, including gaseous and particulate substances, and CAFOs produce even more emissions due to their size. The primary cause of gaseous emissions is the decomposition of animal manure. And so this air pollution can create dangerous conditions for employees and residents of the area, um, due to the dust particle inhalation that is linked to asthma and bronchitis. And if you've ever kind of were, you know, out in a, driving in a rural area, you can usually tell um, if there's animals around you. And, you know, imagine just that, but on a huge scale. Um, so it can be, it can be really dangerous uh, and una- an unnatural thing. Another um, environmental impact that these CAFOs can have is pollution in bodies of water. Um, So like I said, the amount of waste that needs to be disposed of in CAFOs um, can somehow get into natural ecosystems that they just simply can't handle. And so in the same report by Carrie Rebar, uh, the agriculture sector, including CAFOs, is a leading contributor of pollutants to lakes, rivers, and other bodies of water. And ammonia can cause oxygen depletion from water, which can kill aquatic life. And so while this animal manure um, in small, you know, small natural um, 
amounts is just fine. Um, the amount of nutrients um, that comes from this manure can be really, really uh, detrimental to these ecosystems, and they simply just can't handle um, the, the nutrients. And then um, it just causes a lot of chain reaction events that um, can be really harmful and hard to reverse. Um, and so I think we're going to move a little bit away from these environmental effects, although they are really um, important to touch on. But something I found really interesting when I was doing this research um, was the threat of um, antibiotic resistance that these farms can create. So um, since the animals in these factory farms are in, are in such unnatural and condus or sorry, condensed conditions, the likelihood of transmission of disease is very high within or between these animals. Um, which could obviously cause a major loss of animals and money. Uh, so antibiotics are used to prevent um, these illnesses uh, with these animals. So it is estimated that 70, per 70 to 80 percent of all antibiotics in the U.S. are used in factory farms. So you might think, well, good, at least my animals aren't getting sick, but this isn't always a good thing. Um, typically, the antibiotics are given in low doses, to the animals, which provides the perfect opportunity for bacteria to survive and then mutate in response to the antibiotic, uh, which creates an illness that is much deadlier and harder to treat. I know, isn't that lovely? Um, and so when these meats are eaten, some of the resistant bacteria in the animal's guts contaminate carcasses, which end up on meat. So when we handle raw meat or eat undercooked meat, the bacteria can pass to us or and cause or contribute to resistant infections. So while I was doing my research, there was a lot of um, stories that I didn't <laughs> um, I didn't love reading because they were about just the effects of these um, antibiotic resistance and just how nasty it can be and how we really need to take it seriously. Um, <clears throat> in a report from the CDC from 2013, it was concluded that the use um, the use of antibiotics in food-producing animals allows antibiotic-resistant bacteria to thrive while susceptible bacteria is suppressed or die. Um, and then the resistant bacteria can be transmitted from food-producing animals to humans through the food supply. And then resistant, the resistant bacteria can cause infection to humans. And then infections caused by resistant bacteria can result in a lot of health consequences for humans. That cannot be easily treated. Um, and so I thought that was just a really interesting thing. And just it really just goes to show how unnatural these farms are and how nature is really just working against it. And it's really hard to create a good product when um, it's just not the way it should be. And so the last, um, the last point I have for why these farms are just... <laughs> Not the best idea is, um, like you've probably heard, the unethical treatment of animals. Um, the conditions that the animals go through are just not ethical or natural in any way. Um, they can be forced into condensed concrete areas and force-fed. And sadly, these animals can be branded, debeaked, dehorned, and many other harmful altercations. Um, which is, we just never like to see, and it, it um, goes to... Uh, create a less nutritious animal too. Um, 
And so while our current system may be efficient, it's just not sustainable. And we need um, alternative systems soon, and it needs to be fixed in a more sustainable way. Um, if we want to uh, keep making efficient and um, efficient food sources for our future. Um, and so what I'm going to be introducing next, uh, the next part is regenerative farming. Um, it's basically a farming system that is much more sustainable. Um, it's, on a, it's on a smaller scale, but it can actually be a lot more efficient than these CAFOs. Um, and it just goes with nature instead of against it. So I'm really excited to introduce it. So I encourage you to click on to the next episode to learn a bit, little bit about that and how we can implement that into our lives. And so like I promised, I was going to do a good climate fact um, at the end of each episode. So today was is a really good one. Um, so um, you might have heard about the talk about the ozone layer and how there's holes and how we need it. So basically the ozone layer protects us from um, sun's rays that can be really harmful to us and it can just cause a lot of issues and so um, these holes were starting to get wider especially over um, Antarctica because of the use of uh, let me say this right uh, chlorofluorocarbons otherwise known as CFCs which were once used in refrigerants and aerosol sprays um, and as these C CFCs got to the atmosphere it released um, Chlorine, which uh, kind of eroded at the ozone layer, which created, um, which kind of thinned it and created holes. And so, um, without uh, our ozone layer, it would be really bad, um, and there could be a lot of harmful rays to us. But um, there was a Montreal protocol that banned the release of these harmful uh, CFCs, and since of that, since that ban, um, there's actually been. A complete turnaround and a lot of recovering from the ozone layer so it just goes to show how our um what do, how do i say this our efforts really do work and um even with a small step um you know we can really turn this around so i think that's one of our first signs of um of a really positive thing like on a on a large scale that's happening so um, that's something to be happy about today, um, and then tune in for the next episode of how um, we can use regenerative farming and also for an interview. So thank you for listening, and I'll see you soon.